You are listening to the Speak Podcast. The podcast featuring talks from Speak, a public speaking platform for people with ideas and stories. Produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. Welcome to the Speak Podcast, produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. New episodes available every week on all your favorite podcast platforms. Speak is a public speaking platform for people with ideas and stories. Each Speak Talk features three key moments. The moment of truth, the moment of transformation, and the moment of impact. We host pop-up events all over the world, and now we are bringing our talks to your device. Our speakers are stepping onto the stage and into the spotlight, and now onto this podcast. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Speak Podcast, the podcast for people with ideas and stories. I'm George Andriopoulos, the architect and co-leader at Speak. Today's episode theme is self-understanding, and so we're going to hear from three different speakers today, Dana Lopez, Craig Nash, and Carol Lempert, performing at Speak pop-up events all over the country. And although all three of their events had different themes, they seem to connect the dots between this idea of self-understanding, and I think you're going to understand why once you hear those talks. So let's dive in. So it's only fair that the first talk that's going to kick off the Speak podcast should be our very first Speak talk ever. So back in November of 2022, November 17th of 2022, we held Speak Beginnings, our first ever pop-up event. And it was just so much fun to put this thing together with myself, my two partners, Fred Banny and Jason Martin. And we were embarking on something that was really, really special. We had this thought we had this idea about this platform that we knew was going to be so so special so different than anything else out there and after going through this event and just being a witness for these 10 incredible speakers what we called the first 10 we just knew that this was something that the world needed and so the person that kicked us off for our first talk was a woman by the name of dana lopez and dana We put her as our first speaker because she is high energy. Her talk was high energy. She's just such a pro. And we knew that she was going to set the tone for that evening, not only with our speakers, but with the audience. And man, did she shine. And this talk resonated with so many people on so many levels in terms of her heritage and what it has meant to her throughout her lifetime. So without further ado, here's Dana Lopez with Speaking in New Yorican, Finding My Own Latina Identity from Speak Beginnings, November 17th, 2022. Lunes, la 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 martes, la 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 miércoles, la 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 jueves. Thanks to the New York City public school system in the 80s and 90s, I took Spanish classes in school every year since kindergarten. My earliest memory of Spanish class was learning the Days of the Week song when I was five years old, and I never forgot it. Viernes, la 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 sabado, la la domingo, es la semana. Now, I know what you're thinking. Dana Lopez, didn't you already know Spanish? Why did you have to take it in school? Don't worry, I got this one. I've been getting questions and comments like this 
my whole life. You're Puerto Rican? You don't look Puerto Rican. You don't even have an accent. Wow, where are you from? You're so well-spoken, so eloquent. And my favorite, why are you trying to sound like a white girl? Wanna be? Okay, let's get into this. I'm happy to answer all your questions. Yes, I am Puerto Rican. I may or may not look Puerto Rican to some, but because of our Spanish, as in Spain, African and Taino Indian roots, we don't really have a look to us. We're like Skittles, you know, taste the rainbow. <laughs> I don't have an accent? Really? I mean, every time I say something like, what are you talking about? My Long Island raised children don't hesitate to tell me that my Brooklyn is slipping out. So I don't know what kind of accent I'm supposed to have or not have, but as far as where I'm from, I am, to quote the late, great, notorious B.I.G., a.k.a. Biggie Smalls, representing B.K. to the fullest. Um, what else? Oh, thank you for telling me that I speak so well, but I don't think that that was meant to be a compliment. And I'm not trying to sound like anybody. All I want to be is me. So I guess the question really is, what defines a real Latina or Latino, Latinx, Latine, Hispanic, Herpanic? I respect whatever term you choose to use if you've done your homework, but I've always asked myself, what makes me Latina? Finding my Latina identity has taken my whole life. I was born in Brooklyn, New York, and both of my parents were born in Puerto Rico. Turns out I'm 100% that chick, to paraphrase the great Lizzo. But because of expectations of other Latinos and non-Latinos, based on my last name, which wasn't always Lopez, but equally as Puerto Rican sounding, um, my olive skin and my black curly hair, I was a little bit of a puzzle for some, for a few reasons. I have a Puerto Rican slash Jewish sister that I share my dad with. We, we don't say half sister because let's be real, who has half a sister, right? I have black Latino cousins, Asian Latino cousins, help. My husband and my own two kids are Ecuadorian, Puerto Rican, and Chinese. I lovingly call them my Equaricachinos, and I say I ordered them all from Starbucks. <laughs> but the questions continued. You're not Catholic? That, that's a rosary-clutching question. I mean, I am now by choice because my parents were always very open-minded and pretty progressive. So I did go to Catholic church sometimes with friends and family, but I also went to Passover Seder with my sister and her family. Pentecostal services with my grandmother, and even the Kingdom Hall with my Jehovah's Witness cousins. More real talk, I was a kid. It was all equally boring. But now, I realize that it shaped the way that I see how families, identities, and character are built. They're like fingerprints or snowflakes. No two are ever the same. And, and this is probably the biggest one, I didn't speak Spanish growing up in my house. You don't speak Spanish? That's always where I lost all my Latina credibility. I, both of my parents are fluent in Spanish, but they were also primarily raised in New York and they're English dominant. Actually, when I was really little, 
my parents sometimes used to talk to each other in Spanish when I was around so that I wouldn't understand them. Mommy, Daddy, they're here. I, I don't mean to call you out. I'm so sorry. But I get it. It was kind of like their version of spelling out the big words for the, for the kids, right? They were always encouraging. They always encouraged me to become more fluent, and they always encouraged me to learn. Remember the Days of the Week song from kindergarten? My mom never let me pick French or Mandarin or any other language to take in school. She wanted me to learn how to properly speak Spanish. So I didn't really have a choice. But I'm really glad she insisted. But even with the classes, that moment would inevitably come where a family member or another Spanish-speaking person would say to me, habla espanol, do you speak Spanish? And my go-to response was always the same. Sí, pero un poquito. Or yeah, but just a little bit. And they would either be extremely disappointed, like, what kind of Puerto Rican are you? Or they would completely just go off in Spanish, assuming that I understood every word, like, and I would just be, you know, nod and smile politely. Or I would pretend not to hear them so they could repeat themselves, and maybe I'd catch it a little more the second time around. Or I would just give a generic C or no answer and just hope that it was the right one. It was really embarrassing. And it made me think, maybe they were right. Maybe I'm not the real deal. But eventually, I did learn. And I'm still learning. I, but sometimes, even now, when I speak Spanish, I get really nervous. I, I can't always find the right words. My vocabulary is limited. And I often stumble through it because my tongue literally gets twisted. Sometimes. I'll start out in Spanish, and I'll just completely give up halfway through. But should my lack of complete fluency in Spanish make me any less Latina than anybody else? I decided that it shouldn't. So back in the day, I used to be an actress and a performer. And um, I was often a stereotype, or the token, even worse. Uh, at auditions, I was asked to, you know, give it a little more Latina spitfire, or ooh, talk like Rosie Perez. Rosie Perez, listen, Rosie, I, I know she's not here. Rosie, I love you. I am a huge fan, and I thank you for paving the way. But at the time, it was a big issue for me. The problem was is that the people who were asking me to be a Latina spitfire and talk like Rosie didn't know that there were Latinas like me with no exaggerated accent, and maybe just a little bit of a different kind of fire, right? Now, for the record, I can totally turn on the Rosie of the 90s, like, Mookie, you better take care of your kids, Mookie. Or, Billy, when I tell you that I'm thirsty, I don't want you to bring me a glass of water. I want you to sympathize. <laughs> Do the right thing, and, and uh, white men can't jump. Classics, right? I give all praise to Rosie Perez, Jennifer Lopez, Rita Moreno, because when I started seeing these Latinas on stage and on the big screen, I fell in love. I saw myself. When Lin-Manuel Miranda brought In the Heights to Broadway, I saw it twice, and I cried both times. I couldn't even believe what I was seeing. I had never heard people speaking in Spanish, listening to salsa music, dancing merengue on a Broadway stage. <sighs> Representation matters, you guys. It's not just a hashtag. So 
What makes me Latina? Is it the food that I eat? Is it the smells of sofrito and pasteles and arroz con gandules wafting from the kitchen every Christmas? You're hungry, right? Washed down with a little coquito. Is it the music that I listen to? Salsa, merengue, bachata on the radio? Is it the way that I learned how to dance to that music, trying to mimic my older cousins at the family parties and the way that their hips and their feet move so beautifully and smoothly? Is it the color of my skin, the café con leche tone, that for me is more leche than café? <laughs> is it the texture of my black curly hair that only the Dominican women in the salon can straighten in just the right way for any special occasion. Yes, what I realized was it was all of those things and so much more. But there's still one thing that continues to be a challenge for me, but I'm a work in progress, so here we go. <clears> Hoy, <throat> la 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 jueves, Tengo 45 años y hablo más de un poquito de español. Todavía estoy nerviosa hablando en español porque me, me preocupa que algunos latinos se piensan que no soy suficiente. Tal vez mi acento es muy gringa o americana, tal vez mis palabras son equivocadas, pero para mí es muy importante incluir el idioma de mi gente para conectarme a la cultura y para mis hijas también. In, in English? I'll do it in English. Okay, in English. Today, Thursday, la 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 jueves, I am 45 years old, and I speak more than just a little bit of Spanish. I'm still nervous speaking in Spanish because I'm worried that some Latinos might think that I am not enough. Maybe my accent is a little bit too much like a white girl or too American. Maybe the words that I chose are wrong. But for me, it's so important to include the language of my people to connect to the culture, and for my daughters, too. You see, my Latina identity should have never been wrapped up in the expectations of others. I may not be the picture of what someone thinks a Latina is in their head, but it's in my heart. And what it took me all these years to figure out was that I am enough. I share so much with the Latinas in my life, the women in my family, my ancestors, all of the Latinas that I've met along the way, those that I have yet to meet, and those that I never will meet. No matter what our story is, our genetic makeup, where we were born, the level of Spanish that we speak, our straight or curly or wavy hair, the one of 1,000 shades of beautiful brown in our skin, we all share one thing in common. Tenemos el alma de una Latina. We have the soul of a Latina. Y por eso estoy muy orgullosa. And for that, I am very proud. Gracias.
That was Dana Lopez. She was such a firecracker at our first event. It only made sense for her to kick the thing off with the energy that she brought to the table. And I have to say that once Dana went up there and gave her speak talk, it really set the tone for the night. This audience was incredible and the room was just so full of love and empathy and understanding and excitement. I couldn't have imagined any other way to kick this thing off. And so thank you, Dana Lopez, for an incredible speak talk and for being one of our first 10, a group of speakers that we find so, so special and we hold so close to our hearts. Next up, we're going to introduce a producer of one of our pop-up events. Her name is Cheryl West Leong. And Cheryl was actually our first outside producer. Part of our business model here at Speak is that in order to create a diverse lineup of speakers, a diverse theme between events, and just a different vibe at each of our pop-up events, we solicit producers from all over the world to put together and host their own Speak pop-up event. And so that was a first for us dealing with Cheryl, who was so, so wonderful as she put together Speak Homecoming in uh, the DFW area of, of Texas, in Carrollton, Texas. Cheryl was just such an incredible collaborator in that she really wanted to respect the ethos of Speak while creating an event that had her own signature on it. As an event producer herself, she just brings so much to the table, and we were so thankful to get to work with her and really to get to build our producer process while working with a producer like Cheryl. Here's Cheryl to introduce our next talk. Hello, I'm Cheryl West Luong, producer of Speak Homecoming, a Speak pop-up event that took place on March 30th, 2023 at the K Plaza Art Center, which sits in the historic downtown theater in Carrollton, Texas, which we'll just call Dallas for the non-Texans listening in. Our next published speaker is Craig Nash. Before the pandemic, when running into people was more customary and before Waco, Texas had its first or second or third population boom, I heard on more than one occasion that I had been referred to as the female Craig. What that meant was that I had connections and that people ran into someone who knew me and they were surprised by the connections that they found. My response was always quickly, oh, I'm not even close to Craig. Rarely have I seen someone who gets to know a place or her people more deeply than he can. You'll see what I mean. From the Speak Homecoming, recorded on March 30th, 2023 at the K Plaza Art Center in Carrollton, Texas, here's Craig Nash with the Karlova Living Room. Five years ago in Tartu, Estonia, I walked into this neighborhood bar for the first time and at the doorway, looked around, took it all in and said out loud, I think I'm home. I was there every night for the next two weeks before returning to Texas and have gone back six times since, becoming part of a cast of characters in a scene that on a given night can look something like this. Working behind the bar is Elena, who speaks basically all the languages and who is wise and kind. She's working with Revo, a tall, lanky guy who is a street artist with the handlebar mustache. Soon, one of them will be relieved by Simone, the Italian who manages the bar, who will greet everyone by name with a ciao and a hug that will squeeze life right into them. 
standing near the wood-fired heater is Funky, a purple-haired salesperson for the local brewery who is uh, passionate and everything her name suggests. The bar forms a 90-degree angle, and Hendrick is sitting quietly at one end, drawing intricate figures into his notebook, while at the apex, Ott, a star teacher at the elite high school, is debriefing his day with his friend, Marge. She manages a toy museum. I'm down from them waiting for my friend Wick, a college student who drinks weird things like grain coffee and non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> there are socialists and capitalists and anarchists and those who miss what they call the good old days of an American president named Donald Trump. There are young and old and middle-aged people and straight and queer people representing all the letters. There are sober drunks sipping on hot tea, and there are those who will stop in for one drink and 15 minutes of respite from caring for their ailing parents. And there are those for whom the bartenders know to take a little extra time before pouring them another drink. Inevitably in this scene, someone's gonna ask me if I know Jerry from Tennessee. Jerry visits Tartu during the summers. I'm usually there during the holidays earning him the nickname, the Summer Craig, and me, the Winter Jerry. <laughs> the other inevitable question I'll likely get asked is one you may be asking yourself. What is it with you and Tartu Estonia and this bar? And for a long time, I wish they would let me get away with, I just love it here. But for such a small, remote, obscure place on the planet, the answer requires more history and detail. And the history and detail that are impossible to avoid is this. I first discovered Tartu because I believed the Estonian people were living in darkness and needed me to carry the light of God into their sad existence. In 1996, I was an evangelical Christian college student selected to travel to Estonia to be a summer missionary. I knew little about Estonia, aside from having a vague notion that it was a former Soviet nation, and in my religious world, missionary work to those countries was very popular. I spent the summer in Tartu, a small city in southern Estonia, working with the Solemn Church, a congregation of incredible people who were emerging from a half century of being marginalized for their faith by the Soviet system. I had two jobs at Solemn. In the early morning and afternoon, I worked with the construction crew at the New Solemn Church building. And in the midday, about a mile away, I taught English classes at the Old Solemn Prayer House. And in my own time, I looked for what I called divine appointments, which I believed were moments that God would arrange for me to tell people who would listen that they were sinners going to hell unless they gave their lives to Jesus like I had. I, I was a delight. You would have loved me. <laughs> I enjoyed teaching English and tolerated construction. And though it gave me anxiety, I had convinced myself that telling people they were sinners was holy work. But what I really loved that summer, what gave me great meaning and peace, were the quiet daily walks I took between that construction site and that old prayer house. Walks that took me down the narrow streets and alleyways of the Karlova neighborhood with its wood-slatted century-old houses with chipped paint and ancient doors 
hidden backyard gardens and cats peering out the window. I ended that summer young, energetic, idealistic, and with the belief that I was God's ambassador, carrying light into dark places. But also, a deep love for the city of Tartu had overtaken me, and I vowed one day to return. I moved into adulthood. I found community. I passed through jobs and seasons of joy and sadness and hope and loss, and each new season transformed me into newer versions of myself. And then in 2015, life handed me an opportunity to return to Tartu, not to teach or to build or to proselytize, but to rest and to read and to write and to pray, all by the way while staying in a guest room provided by the solemn church in that now complete building. But like so many years before, what I spent most of my time doing that summer was walking around the Karlova neighborhood, discovering all the beautiful ways that it had transformed into newer versions of itself while still retaining its mystery and unique spirit. Once again, I vowed to return. Shortly after I left that summer, Simone, the Italian I mentioned before, opened a bar. Simone, from the Bari region of Italy, opened a bar in the Karlova neighborhood of Tartu. Naturally, it would be called Barlava. <laughs> Barlava became, in a very real way, the living room of the Karlova neighborhood, a place where people could come and be quiet and reserved like an Estonian, loud and boisterous like an American, or anything in between. It was the warmth of that living room that I walked into from the bitter Estonian cold that night five years ago when I declared, I think I'm home. It has been in the, the warmth of that living room that I have come to know newer, more expansive versions of the world and of myself. And I don't gloss over my Tartu origin story anymore, and here's why. I was at the bar one night visiting with Marilise, an acquaintance, who asked me that once-dreaded question, why this place? I responded with my usual hesitation, and I led with the words, I'm ashamed to say, and then I told the story that I just told you. And I noticed on her a look of confusion, one I'd seen on others before, but one that she gave voice to by asking, why are you ashamed? The question stopped me in my tracks, not because I didn't have an answer, I did. I was ashamed for having once reduced the Estonian people to nothing more than potential converts to my religion. But what struck me was that in a moment that I feared being pushed away for this, Marilise leaned in with trust and curiosity. And I realized in that moment this truth that had been in front of me all these years returning to Estonia. Estonians, among the least religious people in the world, don't have a positive view of religious faith and those like me who practice it. But what's also true, they don't have a negative view of religious faith and those who practice it either. What they have instead, the gift that Marilise extended to me is the gift of curiosity. And over the course of countless divine appointments at Barlava, that gift of curiosity has shined light into the dark places of my life as the Barlavans have become missionaries of joy to this Christian from Texas. I believe we all need a public living room where we can be our full selves with others. 
where we can sit alone in a crowd of people or sing into the silence, where we can share our stories with each other, where we can hold mirrors of truth up to each other. Whether that place is in a church across the street or in a bar on the other side of the world, I hope you have yours. And if you ever find yourself on the corner of Tahe and Aha streets while walking around the enchanting Karlova neighborhood of Tartu, Estonia, stop into Barlava. Have the Alexander beer or a shot of Anatolin. Tell them Craig sent you and that I'll be home soon. was Craig Nash. What a wonderful talk. I was lucky enough to be there in Carrollton, Texas at the K Plaza Arts Center to bear witness to Speak Homecoming. And not only did Cheryl do an incredible job, but the 10 speakers that she put on stage did so wonderfully. And it was just really a surreal moment as one of the partners at Speak to witness somebody else growing your vision while putting their own signature on it. And so I was just so proud of this event. And so it was just so incredible to be there and just to feel the energy in that room and to see what Cheryl had put together. And so congratulations to Craig for an incredible talk and congratulations to Cheryl for putting together such an incredible pop-up event. We look forward to working with Cheryl in the future. By the way, I wanna say, if you wanna see more information about Cheryl Westleyong or Craig Nash, Go to our website, speakevent.com, click on the People tab, and the drop-down will show you speakers, producers, and more. And so click on the According tab and find the person that you're looking for to read more about them, read their bios, and, and see what incredible people they are. And check out the Belief and Belonging Festival, Cheryl's other event, which took place in 2022, and she will be hosting another one later in 2023. This is Fred P. Banning, the builder and co-leader at Speak. This next talk is from Carol Lempert at our Speak Love event on February 16th, 2023. Walk a mile in your own shoes. For me, this talk really emphasized the power of speaking up for yourself, the power of one's voice. You know, as you will soon learn, Carol, an incredible lady, an incredible performer, went through an entire lifetime, it seemed, in pain, simply because she did not speak up for herself. But what I love about this is we learn, we go through life and we experience things so that we can take that knowledge and pass on to others so that we can be the voice. They can learn from our mistakes and things that we endure, things that we suffer. They too don't have to. I often say, as we climb, we have to lift. And it's amazing how Carol, the pain and everything that she endured, the missed opportunities because she did not speak up for herself. When she found herself in the position to mentor someone, to help someone not go through what she did, she was able to give that insight and that wisdom. As she reminds all of us, welcome out in your shoes, Carol Lampert. I am a middle-aged lady with a bunion. Now, I know I'm probably not the only middle-aged lady on the planet with a bunion. I I'm probably not the only one in this room. But I suspect that I am the only one because of a dinner theater production of Annie, Get Your Gun. 
Now you may be wondering, what does a dinner theater production of the musical Annie Get Your Gun have to do with having a bunion? And what do either of those two things have to do with our time together tonight? So let me explain. I grew up at a time when the best thing on television was Saturday afternoon at the movies. Every Saturday from one until three, I would lay on the floor of my den with my chin in my hand and I would be transported. Judy Garland would sing, somewhere over the rainbow. And Shirley Temple would sing, on the good ship, lollipop. And Betty Hutton would sing, there's no business like show, business like no business I know. There was no business like show business and I wanted in. So, you can imagine my excitement when, at 18, I got cast in a dinner theater production of Annie Gets Your Gun. Yes, Annie Gets Your Gun. I was going to get to sing my favorite songs to a real audience and get paid. Plus, they had a professional wardrobe mistress that was going to be sourcing our costumes. I was head over heels. But... I was also terrified that I was gonna get fired. I was sure that I was gonna say or do something stupid, get in trouble and screw it all up. Anybody else ever have that concern that you're gonna say something stupid, screw up a good thing? Half the time I didn't even know what they were talking about. I mean, they were speaking English, but it might as well have been a foreign language to me. Somebody says, don't step on the apron. And I'm thinking, apron? I haven't had my wardrobe call yet. I don't, I don't have an apron. Was I supposed to bring one from home? I now know that the apron is the part of the stage that extends over the orchestra. And if you step onto the apron, you step out of the lights and the audience can't see you. <clears throat> Another day, the director says, there's gonna be a ballyhoo in this section. And I'm like, ballyhoo, hoo, this must be some kind of dance move that I don't know how to do. How am I gonna learn it when I don't even know what it is? I mean, this is 1980, there's no YouTube university. A ballyhoo simply means that the lights are gonna make a figure eight on the stage. So now, it's the third week of rehearsal and I have my wardrobe call. And at my fitting, this old, old woman shows up. I mean, she's probably the exact same age I am right now, but I was 18, so what did I know? Her name is Nancy. She's smoking lucky strikes and she says things like, shopping is my cardio. She hands me this big pile of costumes to try on, along with a pair of tap shoes. And I see that the tap shoes are a size six. I wear a six and a half. But I'm afraid if I make a fuss, I'm gonna get fired. And then this lyric starts playing over and over in my mind. There's no people like show people, they smile when you are low. And I think, Carol, you are a show person now. Time to smile. So I smile and I don't say anything about the tap shoes. The next day at rehearsal, the stage manager comes up to me and she's just checking in and wants to know if I need anything and I just smile and I don't say anything about the tap shoes. At the technical rehearsal, the director comes in just to check in with me and like, hey, we're opening tomorrow, Carol, what do you need? And I just smile and I don't say anything about the tap shoes. And for the next nine months, 
eight shows a week, twice on Sunday, I danced in shoes that were a half size too small for my feet. And now I am a middle-aged lady with a bunion. But worse, worse than the fact that right now on a scale of one to 10, I would say my foot hurts at about a two and a half. Worse than that, when I went to show up and audition for their next musical, Oklahoma, the director pulls me aside. Um, Carol, um, we're not gonna be using you for the next show. Why? Well, um, <clears throat> I watched you performing for nine months and you never looked like you were having any fun up there. In fact, it often looked like you were in pain. And he was right, I was but I hadn't said anything. Fast forward a few years, I am sitting in a makeup chair about to shoot a scene with Jane Krakowski. Some of you may know her from 30 Rock or the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And as I'm sitting there, Jean, the makeup lady, she notices that I have been fitted with three inch heels. And she says, are you in the post office scene? And I nod, and then she calls over her shoulder to the wardrobe mistress. Margaret, you've got this poor woman wearing three-inch stilettos in the post office scene. Jane and I will be standing in line in front of a post office when we shoot our scene, which means that we're going to be on our feet for about 10 hours today. And Margaret says, well, why didn't she say something? And the next thing I know, she's handing me a pair of very comfy sneakers. And then Jean says, you know, kiddo, if you don't learn to speak up for yourself, you're going to be crippled by the time you're 40. Not only that, you're going to ruin your career. What kind of shape do you think you're going to be in after standing in those heels all day to shoot your scene? And just like that, I understood that by not speaking up about the stilettos or the tap shoes, that I had actually undermined my ability to perform at the level of excellence that I had been hired for in the first place. And I knew that if my 18-year-old self had known that, I would have had a lot more fun during Annie Get Your Gun, and I might have even had a shot at Oklahoma. Years later, I get cast in a television series called Rockabye Bubble. I play the mother to two precocious little kids, Evan, age five, and Alexandra, age eight. Now, the thing to know about shooting a television show with children is that they grow. One day, about halfway through shooting the series, I notice that Alexandra is fussing with her shoes. She keeps taking them off in between takes. So I go over and I'm like, hey kiddo, what's up with the bare feet? And she looks around and she whispers, I don't know what happened. My shoes are too tight. And I say, well, let's go tell Bernice. Bernice is the producer and the director. And she goes, no. I don't want to get in trouble. And I go, okay, okay. Um, Alexandra, let's say that you keep wearing those shoes. Won't your feet hurt? She nods, and then I say, and if your feet hurt, won't you have a hard time doing a good job? And I see the light bulb go off. She goes, oh, it'll look like I'm in pain. It won't look like I'm having any fun. And I go, that's right. Alexandra is in her 30s now, and as she inches her way toward 50, I know 
that there will be one less middle-aged lady on the planet with a bunion, and one more woman that understands that by speaking up for what you need to perform with excellence, that is self-love in action. Thank you. That was Carol Lempert. What an incredible speaker and such an incredible talk. I had the opportunity to collaborate with Carol on her talk. And as the the talk came together at our second Speak Pop-Up event, Carol was just such a delight to work with and to bring such a simple idea and create so much impact with it. It's just exactly what we envisioned for the Speak platform. So thank you, Carol, for just such an incredible talk. That does it for this episode. Join us next time as we bring more talks to your device. One mic, one speaker, one spotlight. Thank you for listening to Speak. Speak Podcast is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios, executive produced by Fred P. Banning, Jason Martin, and George Andriopoulos. Our theme song, Champions Day, is by Lupus Nocti. Incidental music, Melting Places, is by Andreas Kantu. Music and sound effects licensed through Epidemic Sound. The Speak Podcast is hosted with Podbean. Make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. Follow Speak at Speak underscore event on Twitter and at Speak event on all other social media platforms. Visit our website, speakevent.com, for upcoming events, channel partner, sponsorship, and Speak at Work opportunities. And follow all the great podcasts produced by Lunchpad 516 Studios.